Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. I had bipolar disorder and did not know it. And I was reeling out of control. And we were in the process, or we had just finished the process of relocating the church. And I had been the pastor for 10 years. And, and um, uh, within those seven years, we went from about 800 to 3,000 in worship. And it was great but it was stressing me out. And um, even good things can cause problems. And I was getting sicker. And then I had a manic episode that landed me in the news, had a little encounter with the law. And um, I ended up being in the news for about a year and a half, finally, ultimately asked to resign. And then a group of people that were medical people came around behind me and said, this is a mental illness. This isn't a sin issue. This isn't a character issue or flaw. And they loved me and my family. And they said, we're going to start a church. We want you to be our pastor. And that was a huge part of Brad Hafe's healing journey. And now he's helping others through a ministry he has started up called Fresh Hope. He's going to share a little bit about that ministry and how important it is to take a pastor's mental health into consideration. We're joined today by Brad Hapes. He has been a pastor for the past three decades. He's also the founder and president of Fresh Hope for Mental Health. For those who don't know, what is Fresh Hope for Mental Health? Fresh Hope for Mental Health started as um, a network of mental health, Christian mental health support groups for people. Um, I started one group. I didn't plan on starting a bunch of groups, and it ended up being that a lot of people were looking for that kind of support that was hope-filled, faith-filled, and encouraging that either loved somebody who had a mental health diagnosis or has a mental health diagnosis. And so we started and grew many groups across the United States and in other countries. Now our groups are in like 14 or 15 different countries. The The books that we've written and the materials are at least all in Spanish. And now they're being translated into Japanese and Chinese. And we're in a, maybe I said this already, we're in about 14 or 15 countries now, now we have teen groups for teenagers also, and um, we also have a person who's starting refocusing widows, which is like a support group for those who have lost uh, their husbands. And uh, we have also support, we're starting a support group called um, Surviving Together, that's for people who have lost someone to suicide. And then um, our latest adventure is that we have started a ministry for pastors called Fresh Hope for Pastors. And um, specifically um, beginning to do what we call healing the heart wounds retreats for pastors and their spouses, as well as we have hope coaching and hope coaches available to people. It's all peer to peer. So we're just uh, peers helping peers like you would have in any support group and things like that. Plus we have a podcast and videos and all kinds of uh, blogs. So, so it's really grown from starting in your church 
to yes. going all across the world. Now, the amazing part about this, too, is this started because of your own yes. struggles with mental health. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. In 1995, I was pastoring the, at the time, the 13th fastest growing Protestant church in North America. And I had a, I had bipolar disorder and did not know it. And I was reeling out of control. And we were in the process, uh, we had just finished the process of relocating the church. And I had been the pastor for 10 years and, or the, yeah, pastor 10 years, senior pastor for seven years. And um, uh, within those seven years, we went from about 800 to 3,000 in worship. And it was great, but it was stressing me out. And um, even good things can cause problems. And I was getting sicker. And then I had a manic episode that landed me in the news, had a little encounter with the law. And um, I ended up being in the news for about a year and a half, finally, ultimately asked to resign. And then a group of people that were medical people came around behind me and said, this is a mental illness. This isn't a sin issue. This isn't a character issue or flaw. And they loved me and my family. And they said, we're going to start a church. We want you to be our pastor, but we don't want you to work. Um, until the doctor says you're ready. And if you feel like you can't do it, that's fine. We'll um, have done then what we needed to do. And that was to provide a safe place for you to get better. Well, 38 years later, I'm still pastoring some of those folks. Or excuse me, 25 years, whatever it is from 1995. (laughs) I get lost in all that. Um, But um, I'm still pastoring some of those folks. And Lo and behold, when they did that, they gave me an 18% pay raise from the church that I was pastoring. So they really showed grace and mercy to me. How important was that for you in your journey? Because typically there's a lot of stigma, especially for someone in that role as as a pastor and someone as a leader to have this mental health. It's like, no, 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 just pray to God and this is all going to be okay. Um, But obviously people came around you and supported you. Tell us a little bit about the impact. Yeah, well, I wouldn't. I probably would not even be alive had it not been for them. Um, I certainly probably would have been homeless or, you know, I don't know. I I can't imagine what, I I, I don't know what I would have done. I really don't. Um, Because I got, you know, yes, it was very um, stigmatized. And especially in 1995 and 96, Mm -hmm. And um, I, so what happened is for about seven years, I really struggled with trying to figure out how to live in spite of having bipolar. I, I was better at the end of two years, started serving them. And then I had a nephew was injured in a bus crash and I got my medicine mixed up. And then um, I ended up relapsing because of uh, goofing up my own medicine. I didn't do it on purpose. It was Mm -hmm. accidental, but I ended up in the newspaper again. I ended up in the hospital because I was suicidal. And it was at that point that 
I said, I don't know enough about this. My father had bipolar disorder and my mother-in-law had died by suicide with bipolar. Mm -hmm. And um, so I knew I better attend some support groups. And that's when I went. And what I found were a whole bunch of people that were chronically mentally ill and were just kind of feeding off of each other's negativity and I know today now that that isn't healthy. It's called venting. And when people just go to groups to vent, there's, they actually get worse. And I was getting worse. So I stopped going. And that's when I started complaining to my doctor. <laughs> and I, I'm a good German Lutheran and we <laughs> complain well. Um, and finally, he said to me, Brad, why don't you start the kind of group you want to go to? So without those folks, without that support, I don't know that I'd even be alive today. And speaking of that support, it's Christ-centered. It's faith-based. What Tell us a little bit about what the response was like when you decided to start this up and how this helped you in your own journey. Well, you know, it's interesting. I lacked passion prior to starting Fresh Hope. I had a lot of passion prior to this Prior to my episode that, you know, brought forth the diagnosis, a lot of passion about church growth and about lost people and things like that. And then when this all happened, I was just, I felt like broken merchandise, Um, had no clue. Well, I had no passion, no, um, you know, excitement, no, no focus. And, um, I always tell people when God starts to redeem your pain, when you see him redeeming your brokenness and you realize that your pain, it can be liquid gold for somebody else in regards to hope. Then my passion light came on. And I really believe that, um, when we go through difficult things, God wants to repurpose all that. He wants to redeem it. He wants to use it. And and that's what happened. And little did I know that there was 25 years of clinical research on evidence-based research on hope and how it works. Well, um, when you take the secular research and then you put in Romans 8.28 that says, when you infuse that hope with faith, you've got sure and certain hope then that God will take all things and make them work together for your good. That's Romans 8.28. And I found out that hope can be borrowed. <laughs> it's <really laughs> interesting research. Um, when you have hope for somebody else, they can actually borrow your hope. They they can have they begin to have hope for themselves because you have hope for them. It's it's fascinating research and it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, it like almost ninety eight percent of the people who come to our groups after six weeks and say they were suicidal prior to coming report that they are no longer suicidal. And uh, 87% who had been hospitalized prior to coming to six weeks worth of our mental health support groups. Now that's specifically what I'm talking about right now. 87% of them that had been hospitalized haven't been hospitalized since. 
And so it works. And we've, we, we're going to help pastors because I really believe right now, especially after this pandemic, pastors need safe places where they can process their pain and their difficulties and their frustrations about ministry without fear of retribution or, you know what I'm saying, where, where we could give them some tools to really process so that they can remain resilient and strong in ministry. Uh, are pastors, in your opinion, more susceptible to mental health struggles? And if so, why? And how does it differ for them when it comes to mental health struggles? Yes, that's a big question. Um, <clears throat> I would say that pastors um, are more susceptible to mental health issues in in this respect, um, in this regard. Uh, it's because there is so much stress. Stress um, produces the right storm, if you will, the perfect storm many times. Stress, along with a number of other things, provide the perfect storm for anxiety and depression, especially. And um, there's there's a, a fatigue that I think comes with the ministry. Um, and there's a lot of adrenaline spent in ministry. For instance, um, they actually know that Mondays are post-adrenaline blues days for most pastors because they've spent so much adrenaline on Sunday mornings. And um, years ago, a speaker I heard said, be sure to always take Mondays off or be sure to always work on Mondays. Don't take it off mm -hmm. because you'll stay at home and you'll suffer from this post adrenaline blues. He said, go to the office and do mundane things and make the church pay for that day. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the reality is there's lots of hurts and pains in ministry. I I think that there are statistics that would prove that pastors have a higher rate of anxiety and depression. Now, if you have, like I have within my family, uh, bipolar disorder runs in my father's family. The They used to call it manic depression, uh, but anyway, mood issues. And you don't necessarily... I wasn't born with it, but I was born with propensity towards it. And then ministry had enough stresses and strains and everything that my own little perfect storm happened. And, you know, the disease developed. Going back a little bit, when you're mentioning um, it causes being a pastor causes a lot of stress, causes a lot of anxiety. I think a lot of the time, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I am not a pastor, <laughs> but no. we forget, we forget that you as a pastor or other pastors out there are normal people. Absolutely. We're no different than anybody else. We have the same concerns, the same frustrations, the same temptations, the same everything and everything that you have with your family, we have, and we might even have it greater because there's this other um person in the marriage in the family and it's called the church and um 
you're on 24 seven, you're never off. Um, and uh, it's just difficult. I think it was Peter Drucker who said, uh, being a pastor is one of the most stressful jobs in the world. He, he cited the president of the United States. Um, I think it was hospital administrators and pastors came next, something like that. And, um, you know, unless you've lived it, you really don't know it. <laughs> and good for you if you don't. <laughs> you're you're taking on all kinds of extra pain that people have and oh. all of the trauma in their lives. And you have to go home to your own families as well and and the burdens that may be there as well. And there's a lot of secondhand trauma, no doubt. A lot of secondhand trauma you experience as a pastor. For instance, if that, let's say there's a, a car crash and somebody loses their teenage son or daughter and you're there with the family, you're experiencing trauma with them, you know. And many times you don't work it through. You just keep going. And all that builds up. It becomes complex. It becomes compound. And then we wonder why um, I think George Barna recently reported that 48% of all pastors would resign today if they could. Speaking of that, uh, the pandemic has obviously ripped apart congregations, ripped apart churches. Tell us about the impact that that had on the mental health of not only pastors, but the congregation as well. Well, you know, um, there was across the globe, a mental health crisis, and I'm going to call it a hopelessness crisis also uh, prior to the pandemic. And um, so if you say that one out of five or one out of four people have a mental illness in any given year, that was prior to the pandemic. I have not seen any statistics regarding it in two th- or yeah, 20. 22. But I do know this. Uh, For instance, here in the United States, I was on a call with the White House early on. When the pandemic happened, they they had a call with a number of us that work in the faith and mental health sphere. And the the, um, calls had increased by eight to nine hundred percent. Wow. To the suicide prevention, uh, young teenage girls, uh, their suicide attempt visits to the ERs has picked up by 52%. Um, this is, listen, we have a tsunami. We're in a tsunami, if you will, of mental health crisis with um, anything after this pandemic. I mean, we know that like if a hurricane happens or there's a natural disaster, we know that mental health needs within that community increase by 100% with it, you know, almost immediately. Well, can you imagine? I bet it's 300, 400% when the whole population goes through it. Um, It's amazing. And pastors have faced this immense challenge of trying to figure out how to do ministry when the church is a meeting. How can we as a church do a better job at addressing this mental health crisis? I really believe 
that the church needs to understand two simple things, and then there's something very important they can do. One, that they have the hope that hopeless people need, that they have the real hope, but they have the real hope that can make a difference for somebody struggling with any kind of mental health issue, including the pastor. Um, but the second thing is, is um, churches are filled with people who have experienced that hope and can help others going through difficult times. And many times I think what the church thinks is mental health is left to the professionals and we just refer them. Well, I would like to suggest that if you understand you have the real hope, then you can provide support peer-to-peer, not professional support, but peer-to-peer support. And the interesting thing is the research shows that people who have peer-to-peer support get better just as fast and may even do better than with meeting with a therapist. And um, when the church realizes those two things, then I say, start a mental health ministry in your church. Uh, the pastors should be speaking about it. People should, they should start support groups. They should have um, all kinds of opportunities where people are learning about emotional health. And um, I always tell people um, it's interesting because we like to spiritualize mental health issues that somehow it's different than physical health. Well, mental health is physical. It is a brain issue. Um, Our brain is no more spiritual than any other part of our body. And I could begin to list those parts if we need. (laughs) But it's just another organ in our body. Our brain gets buried with us. When we die, the brain dies. It's not spiritual. Our mind is what the brain does. And if the brain is not functioning right, people will not be in their right mind. And, you know, the church has got to, I suppose that's the third thing, is understand that we have hope and we can help people with their mental health issues. We could be significant contributors to supporting people with mental health issues and more people will live. And if you want to meet a need in your community, I have a good friend, Dr. Matt Stanford, who says that um, the mental health field or the the need of mental health is the number one mission field in the world today. One thing that we quite often will hear is that depression, anxiety, any mental health issue is a sin. And when they go to the church to seek out help, there's nothing really there. And there's a lot of shame and guilt that can come along with that. Well, the church has a lot of shame-based grace. And um, someday I'm going to write a book on shame-based grace. Mm-hmm. And it's that grace that's there, but there's always a but to it. You know, you're forgiven, but, um, you know, or you, I have empathy for you, but you should pray more or you should do this. Or, and uh, the reality is, When your brain misfires or misfunctions, or if you have enough childhood trauma or trauma in your life, your brain is going to mess up on you. And 
um, just like if you had any other physical disease, it's, you know, people ask my doctor, um, I've heard him speak a number of times and um, I love his answer on this because he's a psychiatrist who is also a spirit filled Christian. And he says, Mm -hmm. look, People will say, well, isn't it demonic or isn't it, you know, and he says, all illness is from the demonic realm. It's from the fall of mankind into sin. So every time you get sick or you have this, it, it all comes from that. And, and he says, don't, don't make out a brain issue to be more than any other physical issue you have. And when you start understanding it that way, it's interesting because um, I know a neuroscientist um, and um, Carol, Dr. Caroline Leaf, and we've talked and she says, well, science is catching up with the Bible. And um, we now know through research or through um, brain imagery and stuff that you can actually increase um, the brain's functions and help the brain if you but take captive your thinking. Well, what's Paul say? Hmm. Take captive your thinking. At the end of the day, start with the pastor. Pastor's mental health needs. And from there, I'm just looking at it in that sense even. It can be a beautiful path to a church that is filled with people who can once again flourish. Absolutely. And if their pastor is open and transparent and vulnerable about it, it becomes a place where it's safe to not be okay. And we we tend to, and we talk about this in our hope coaching when we train people to be hope coaches, we tend to, in the Christian church, minimize pain. We, the minute somebody's suffering, we want to help them feel better right away. So we, oh, God's with you. He's going to take this and he's going to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And what we do is we don't allow him to get that pain out. And so we cover it up. Well, that wound is still there and people need to be able to express their pain. And if you look at the Bible, my goodness, the Bible is filled with lamenting and people talking about their pain. Um, yeah, we don't want to stay at that point, but um, I think there's nothing better than a good godly lament. And that is to say, God, I, this is a horrible situation. I hate this and I need for it to change. But when you lament, then you do one thing at the end of it. And that is to say, but God, while I wait for you to do this, I will trust in you. I will praise you. I will wait for you. And so, you know, you get the pain out, but you put your focus on God then, and you don't get stuck with uh, ruminating over it over and over. You may have to lament every 30 seconds, you know, for at first, but you're not staying stuck in the pain, you know. For churches up here in Canada, hearing this and thinking, hey, this is something we want to get uh, started up in our church or something we want to do, or pastors that are hearing this and going, wow, I need something like this. How can they go about doing that? Yes, it's as simple as just emailing us at info at freshhope.us, I-N-F-O at 
freshhope.us. If you're a pastor and you'd like to find out about healing the heart wounds of ministry retreats, you can contact Jason at freshhope.us. He is another pastor who um, certainly understands this. He heads up our um, division for pastors. If you want to start a Fresh Hope group, we can help you get one started immediately. And we train the facilitators. The church doesn't even have to do that. We hold their hands. Um, we walk them through everything they need to do. We can train hope coaches for your churches. And that's all done online. And um, we have several Fresh Hope groups in Canada. We'd love to have more. And I'm just backtracking a little bit, going back to what you mentioned there, healing the heart wounds of ministry. Uh, one thing that I'm really enjoying about this is that not only do you include the pastors or ministry leaders, you're also including their spouses. Yes. How important is that? <laughs> Greatly important because pastors' spouses carry pain also, and it it sometimes the pain is even a pastor kind of preaches his way out of some of his issues. Um, the spouse doesn't have that luxury always. And um, so, yeah. And there, when we have a group, we have the pastors in a group together and their spouses in a group together while we do the mm-hmm. healing, the heart wounds of ministry. And then we bring them together at strategic points. How can congregants support pastors? First of all, pray for your pastor. Secondly, um, to show them kindness and support by just your, uh, you know, helping their families, doing nice things for them, you know, even slipping them a gift certificate to a restaurant or, or things like that. And if you're in leadership, make sure your pastor gets breaks. And, um, you know, send your pastor to a healing the heart wounds of ministry, uh, retreat and, you know, just care for them, um, and become a safe person for them. And I think if, if the whole congregation was doing that, uh, pastors would do so much better in ministry and it will help the mental health of the congregation. Because uh, the mental health will never get talked about in a church where the pastor is afraid of talking about it. Um, It just won't happen. And um, we are gatekeepers. And so that would not get in through the gate if we're keeping that gate closed, you know, on that topic. Um, By the way, I should mention that the website for Fresh Hope is freshhope.us. Um, we have a .us, not because we're in the U.S., mm-hmm. but it just happens to be the only Fresh Hope uh, domain we could get 15 years ago. So, But it's freshhope.us. Will you ever stop advocating for mental health, especially in the church and for pastors? No. In fact, I stopped pastoring three years ago because I felt like the Lord said, you need to do this full time. Um I think it's evident. I, I I don't think you have to work too hard at convincing anybody to look at the last several years and just say we have to deal with mental health. You know, we just have to. 
And um, yeah, I want to help churches. I want to help pastors. And I believe you can't separate emotional, mental, and spiritual, and physical health. We are whole beings. It's all connected. And uh, anyway, however we can help people, we're willing to help them. So, Thank you so much for making time for us and for having this conversation and for being vulnerable. Well, thank you. Um, I appreciate you being uh, open to having me. And thank you so much for joining us and for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.